In the Chaos to Creation Confessions, we'll hear about the firsts, failures, feck-ups and fight-backs from entrepreneurs, thought leaders, consultants and trainers who share their path to creation. So today we're talking to Rintu Basu. Rintu accidentally wrote a best-selling, critically, critically acclaimed book on using NLP and hypnotically persuasive language in everyday life. And today he's going to tell us how he did that and how you can accidentally create results that are far more than just your goals. And I've got to tell you, I have been so looking forward to speaking to Rintu. It's been ages since we've spoken. Rintu, yeah. tell us about your accidental bestseller and how you did it. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, the book is called The Persuasion Skills Black Book. Um, and it genuinely... It genuinely was an accident, so much so that it was six months after I'd written the book that, that it took my mate to, to tell me that I'd written a book before I'd actually realised I'd done it. Um, <laughs> Explain that. Tell us more about that. Uh, okay, so here's, here's how it happened. I'd, um, I'd just put up a website uh, for the NLP company, and what we wanted to do was attract people to it and actually sign up. Um, the traditional way of getting people to sign up onto an email list or anything like that is to you offer them something um, that, that's of some kind of value. So um, I went for ages uh, trying to figure out something that, that I could offer uh, NLP um, practitioners, master practitioners, and even people that knew nothing about NLP but were just coming to have a search for, for stuff, what I could offer them that might be of some use to them. Um, the thought process I went through was kind of like, well, me, as a guy that's done an awful lot of NLP, what was the, what was the thing that, that I struggled with the most? What was the thing that other people struggled with the most? What could I do to help them? Uh, and I, uh, I actually have it. Personally, I didn't struggle with the language end. I loved it. I loved it from beginning to end. I thought it was great. But actually being steeped in the market, I knew that that's the one thing that, if you like, most people entering into the field struggle with. Um, lots of trainers complain about how to deliver it. And, uh, and there's a lot of a lack of clarity and understanding over it. So I went, well, actually, that's that, that to me is the, the ideal thing. I'm going to write a 10-week course. Um, and give it away for free. Uh, so a 10-week course that is all just about um, how to use NLP language. Okay. Um, Paul, can, can I just pause there a second? You yeah. were going to, you gave away 10 weeks of really valuable content for free, but you're not afraid of doing that, that people just take your information, steal it. What What were you thinking at the time? Uh, ah, right. Um I, I have a kind of different mentality to a lot of uh, to a lot of trainers. Actually, um, it's probably because I come from a commercial background where I was working in a company as a trainer, um, and what that kind of meant was that my responsibility is to give people the stuff that they need to to enable them to do their jobs. So um, I I didn't have the luxury of being able to say, Ah, yes. The answer to that is on my, you know, is on the next course, which is going to cost you another hundred bucks to get hold of. My job was to actually give them the information. So the, my, my tendency is to 
uh, is to give people what what they want. So my natural instinct is it, it has always been: if you ask me how to do X, Y, Z, I will tell you rather than direct you to a course. Um, that's one side of it. The other side of it is I have a tendency um, to think that um, I, I, I'm naturally creative. The idea that I've given away, you know, the best parts of a course is actually that's not, it's not an issue. I'll create another one. You know, I, there's more problems to solve. There's more things to do. Um, so I don't mind giving away material. Um, the, the other side of this is I also have an idea that um, different mediums and different ways, you, you learn things in different mediums and different ways. So I, I was quite happy at the time to give away a lot of information on the basis that it's not all the information. You know, yeah. I, I know it isn't. and people are going to, if it's good enough, people are going to come back for more of it. Um, when I did realise I've written a book, um, I did have an issue about, well, once the book's out there, then, then, then what do I do next? You know? Ah, yeah, okay. Um, but the reality of it, uh, oh, sorry, um, uh, uh, there's a step before that. Once we'd done the 10-week course, and, I'd, and six months later I'd realised I'd written a book, uh, and then we packaged it together and uh, I, I initially published it, then I found you and Joe and, and we published it properly uh, and that sort of thing. Um, I, I was actually really concerned about uh, whether people would buy it because, uh, you know, it's on the website for free. Um, we got around that quite quite easily because we just added a bit, uh, you know, some more to it. And we added some more value to it. Um, but the reality was all the people on the list were the first people to buy the book. There was something a lot more tangible and immediate about it. And they, it wasn't piecemeal in, in little bits of, you know, of website and stuff. And they had ownership of it. So what I hadn't realised was that, that, that people would buy it anyway. You know, even people that had got it in that respect. I love this idea that, that um, the difference between a, a, um, a cognitive a, a thing that's on the, your computer versus a thing that's in your hands, the difference between something that you can see or and hear. So all these different methods of delivering information, people are different, and some of those people wanted it in different um, modes so not yeah. only did they want it in their mode they actually wanted it in other modes that perhaps you didn't think they wanted I love that idea so that I call that recycling or upcycling or reusing what it's so don't once you've created something don't think that that's the end of that creation process talk to us more about that because that's fascinating yeah I, I mean um, uh, I'm looking at it at the moment because there's a. Uh, I, I've written volumes and volumes of uh, of material, you know, just articles on this, that, and the other. And um, I'm looking at the moment of taking all of that and repo repositioning it in, in in all sorts of different directions. Uh, the the reality of it is that I originally created all of that material, firstly for. Uh, getting prominence on the website, you know, for the search engine optimization keywords and all all that technical stuff. It was written for that, but it also has to be readable and it also has to be accessible and it also has to give the readers something. So it's all really valuable content in that respect. Um, so why not strip all of that, strip all of the technicalities out and, and create it as a book or, the, you know, other free giveaways or bonuses to courses? And there's... there's um, repositioning all of that material is is really kind of valuable. Uh, the good thing for me 
is, uh, and I think this is important really, it's like, it's about playing to your strengths. I'm, uh, I'm a creator. I am much better with, um, if you like, a blank piece of paper and writing something again, rather than taking something that I've already done and trying to find different ways of, uh, of actually using it. That to me is, uh, it's, it's not difficult, but, but it's not, it's not what I do. If, if that makes sense, you know, it's not my, it's not my strength. So, um, my intention is to get all of that stuff and give it to someone else and say, look, there it all is, reposition it, repurpose it, you know, um, smooth it over so that it makes a sensible book or whatever. Because um, where, I'm, where I am with it is like, if I were, I would be faster and more efficient if I just took it all and rewrote it, which obviously isn't, doesn't make any sense because it's already there, you know. Yeah. Whereas uh, giving, it to, uh, giving the material to someone else and getting them to do it would, be, would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I want to so, pause you. Sorry, I'm I'm so yeah, yeah. bossy. I've got two points I want to bring up there because there are two things that are really important. One is I'm a creator. Taking on yeah. that mantle of I'm a creator or I'm an author or I'm a writer, is that a different mindset to I am creating or I'm doing a bit of creation or I'm doing a bit of writing? Is it different for you? Yes, absolutely. Um, totally. There's a, that for me, there's a, there's a hierarchy of... Um, stuff going on okay um, I can do things uh, I can drive a car I can do the shopping I, I I can do the cooking okay that's wildly different to saying I'm a cook or I'm a driver um, identity level stuff um, for me it's uh, the difference is well when when you make something your identity, you cannot help but perform behaviour in that identity, if that makes sense. So um, uh, I have an identity about being a trainer, for example. So my natural instinct is to go and uh, uh, be able to deconstruct what uh, what people are doing and then put it back together again to teach someone else to do that. That's what I do, you know. Is it? And, and I can't I can't not do that. Yeah. You know, um, it's the same about the whole linguistic element. I mean, when I uh, when I first found NLP, um, I fell in love with the whole language and linguistic element of it. Um, and at the time, I was doing language. You know, yeah. which is but how I am now is like it's just a part of me. I cannot not do language. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so yes, it, it really makes a fundamental difference. Um, for you, is, was there a ta- was was there a, like a crossover period? So you you were training and then you were a trainer. Was there a crossover? Did you notice a change where you were creative and then you were a creator? Was there a noticeable change? Um, in terms of training, yes, there was, but it actually happened. Be- the idea of becoming uh, of of this, that statement, I am a trainer, happened a lot earlier than I actually had the skills to be a trainer. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I think actually that's that that's actually kind of um, self fulfilling in all of this. I, I, and I would I would recommend and suggest this to everyone is that um, make the statement even if you don't believe it yet or you don't think that you have the skills yet because it's what will drive you to get the skills. You know, yeah. Um, uh, if you if you turn around and say I am training, 
okay? Um, it, it's not necessarily a driver to be a better trainer. It's not necessarily a driver to, to, to get the skills. You're just doing a job, if that makes sense. Yeah. But the, when you turn around and say, I am a trainer, um, you, you're then put in this, uh, there's this cognitive dissonance. There's a difference between who you think you are and the skills that you're portraying. And your natural tendency is to actually expand your skills to, to, to accommodate your identity. If that makes sense. Yeah, can I get? Can I give you a a, a, a bigger example of, of some of the issues that are around this? Yeah, brilliant. So, for many years before I accidentally wrote a book, um, lots of people have, had encouraged me to write a book, and I had always said I can't. I don't. I don't know how. I don't think I have all the. Uh, I, I don't think I have the, the momentum. I don't think I have the knowledge. I don't have all this. I don't have... It's a whole bunch of excuses, okay? And all of it was patently not true. I mean, by, by, by the time people were encouraging me to write a book, um, I was already very skilled as a trainer. Part of being a trainer is to be able to develop course material. It, you know, and um, I was very good at it. So if I'd actually looked at... Uh, uh, my previous volumes of work, I'd written massives of, of course material. You just put it all together and call it a book. It would be, it, it, it's a book, you know. Yeah. Um, but because I didn't have that identity, because I didn't think about it in that kind of on that kind of level, um, I uh, the belief I had running was that I couldn't write books. Okay, and I firmly believe that if I'd known that I was writing a book when I started. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have finished it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because all of those beliefs and all that, that would have just totally got in the way. Ident now, I call these identity constraints, and I call them. So I believe in this idea of we've got a lot of chaos going in our head. We need, in order to create something, we need to go through constraints. But we also have constraints put upon us, and that and constraints that we put upon ourselves. And an identity constraint, as your as your this identity thing, is I'm not able to do that. I, I feel a failure or uh, I'm an imposter. Um, I think that is that identity constraint is what stops lots of people from creating, from, from getting to that creation stage. Absolutely, completely agree with you. You see, I mean, the bizarre thing is, like, once I've done the first one, and again, it, it, took me someone, it took someone else pointing out the fact that I'd done it for me to realise that I'd done it. But as soon as I'd done that, the bubble, the bubble popped. And I kind of went, oh, wow, I really have written a book. And, and oh, guess, guess what? I've written so much uh, uh, on the website, I've got another book. Oh, and guess what? I've created so many courses on so many different things. Each one of those is a book, you know. Yeah. So I, I kind of went from not believing that I could be an author to as soon as I, I'd realised that I, that I was, um, the only thing that was stopping me was actually the physical time of doing all the tippity tapping of typing it out. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually saw yourself in a different light by changing your that identity. That you saw yourself and the and the work you'd already done in a different way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, 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 and it was a very um, instantaneous thing. I, t I, I can tell you exactly where it was. Uh, it was when we first saw the book on Amazon. Yeah. And it, and it had my name on it, and I, I was just going like, like that. That, that, you know, because I had both, it was that, that point where I had both identities struggling. You know, I had the old one going, I'm not an author. 
And then a new one looking at this book going, that's your name on that. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, uh, yeah, so I, I actually remember that that struggle. Um, and I remember not being being able to sleep that night because I, I, I was just sat there going, I've actually written all of these books. I just need to get them out of my fingers and they're there, you know. Okay, that leads me on to my second question, which is this tippity-tappity. <laughs> it's like you've got all this content, you've got all these ideas, and then you've got this constraint of there's only so many hours in the day. And you mentioned it earlier, that finding, uh, you know, maybe well, I don't know how you want to call it, but outsourcing, finding an expert, finding somebody that you can delegate responsibility to, to take that information. How do you manage that? Because lots of people are afraid to delegate where, how do you do that? How do you move things through your process? Uh, um, okay. <laughs> well, the, um, sorry, you, um, the short answer is I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, let me let me flip that <clears throat> let me flip that around for a moment. Um, I I I don't. Whilst I'm saying that from a standpoint that I haven't actually haven't actually done it yet. Um, I don't. I don't feel that that's kind of like a challenge. I, I'll tell you why. I mean, part of it's um, uh, the backstop of having experience of how uh, of uh, you know managing leading teams. Yeah. I, I don't see it as anything different from that. Um, the thing that I um, uh, have noticed um, is uh, watching other people is that. Uh, and I think this will be the the biggest issue for me is actually letting go of my baby. Uh, do you know what I mean? I've got a very solid idea of how I would want it done. Yeah. Um, and the reality is that if it's a creative process, then the chances of me having it done the way that I want it done is not going to happen. Yeah. So what I'm looking for then is a collaboration. I want to, uh, when I do that sort of stuff, what I want to do, uh, sorry, I, I, let me explain the other one first. Um, if it isn't a creative process, if it is just a system, that that's easy. I'm good at writing systems and putting those constraints on and you just give it to someone and go, that's what I want you to do and you just need to, um, you know, check it as I go through that. It needs to be very clear, concise instructions, you know. But if it's a creative process, um, now I, uh, I've got a, a mate who's a, a, a script writer at the moment and I'm watching him go through this process because he, he's writing these, uh, they're only five, ten minute scripts and they're going off to be workshopped uh, and then there's a director and actors and um, and a couple of them have now been produced, so there's a producer involved. Um, and it's painful uh, watching him actually have to separate from his from his product to it becoming a collaborative thing. Uh, and what's created out of that is something that's uh, that's different and um, way bigger than than the original just script. So uh, 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 again. What I'd be looking for in all of this is to take on someone that has something to contribute themselves. Um, now, I, I don't necessarily know what what that is. Now, it might be that they're specialists in the same subject, or it might be that they're just a good um, editor, you know, for example. Um, but whatever it is, I'm looking for people that are going to put their own creativity in it, and I will stand back from that to allow them to be. To, 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 for them to do the process, um, the difficulty is is actually going to be to going back and looking at it as if it's um, 
uh, and actually being objective enough to say, well, has that made it better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you and you called it the pain of watching for your scriptwriter friend, the pain of of, of that um, that collaboration changing it beyond. Uh, and, and, and is it better? That's the you know how how do you work that out? How are you going to do that? Um, to be honest, I think. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to need to remove myself, uh, remove myself from the process. Uh, I think that decision is actually probably better made by someone else. Um, I've seen this with uh, with my scriptwriter friend that some some of it, uh, some of the stuff that's come out is enormously better than the original script. Now, the scripts were good good to start with. That's why they're doing it. But actually, they've added so much more to it. Um, there's a couple where. Um, and I'm tracking on my own experience rather uh, rather than my friends, in that I looked at the script and I saw it a certain way, and then I've seen what's come out, and I go, actually, you know, I wouldn't have done that with it. Um, uh, to be fair to to be fair to my friend, um, for the most part, he's gone. Actually, that I, I'd never thought about it that way, and it's quite clever. It's quite neat. Uh, he said a couple of times. He said, "Well, I wouldn't have done that." You know, so it, uh, I can see that there's places where it's uh, not not entirely convinced, um, but uh, most of the time it's been we've not had one where where either of us have gone no that's awful or you know or anything like that. Um, we've both gone through well, that's you know I'm not yeah. convinced that, that I would have done that with it, but yeah. but. It's, yeah. Um, but I think the the bottom line of that is that the you, as a uh, as a creator you're cre- you're not actually create I, I am creating and I am writing for myself but actually it's um, there is a purpose to this and that's about your audience so you know maybe it, it needs to be a choice or a decision from there um, I uh, again this is something I'm, I, I will be looking at in the future. Um, is about having you know beta testers and test yes. audiences and and, uh, and having readers and making. Um, uh, in fact, if I jump ahead, this is something that I, I, I'm. One of the things that was really really good when we did it when I didn't realise I was writing a book was that because it's coming out as a ten week course and I was only a week ahead of the people that were reading it at times. Um, it it did two things. One, the fear of uh, of making sure I got the next bit done. I mean, that's yeah. a huge amount, amount of motivation. Knowing that you're a, you're a, you're a week behind, you know, in front of two thousand people that are screaming for the next bit. Yeah. Um, but also, what it meant was that you can in, incorporate all the feedback. I was thriving on that. I, I, I was loving every minute of that, you know, where, where people were saying, well, you didn't talk about this, you haven't done that bit, or I didn't understand this. And you could, you know, so the the, the whole thing was evolving as we went. Um, and I I really want to replicate that. I, I, I'm not quite sure uh, of the mechanisms for doing it. I think Patreon might be might, might be one method for, for, for doing that sort of stuff. Or if I've got a, I'd love to uh, have a bunch of beta readers who are uh, that I don't give the finished book to, but I actually give them it chapter at a time yeah. as I'm reading it, uh, and then evolve the whole thing as you, uh, as you go. Um, 
I love this idea of, um, I'm rephrasing it now, is this just-in-time creation. So rather than create and give it like as a gift, I've made this for you, just-in-time creation so that you can continually bring that feedback in and go through the process much faster. And that is really good because when you know who the, the audience is, that's how you can make sure that the, that it's fit for purpose. You know, is the thing I'm creating fit for the purpose it needs to achieve? Uh, yeah, absolutely, Deb. So, uh, this is coming from for, for for me. It's coming from um, I, I, I'm a trainer, you yeah. know. So, uh, and if you like, there's, for me, there's two parts to this whole training thing. If I oversimplify it, there's the actual um, uh, lesson design and the creation of the actual course. And about what you're trying to get across to your to your delegates, your audience, whatever. There's one side that's about that, and that's okay. I can walk into a classroom with all of that, but actually, it doesn't mean anything if it doesn't go into the heads of your audience. Um, and I, I think where where a trainer actually really properly adds value, you see, if I look at the, you know, if it's just about the content, well, once I've designed the course, I could just give it to them and let them read it, you know, yeah. and that's that. That's the end of it. But where I think a trainer adds value is actually um, taking that uh, that class uh, and those people, and actually taking the content and making it match their needs. Now, I'm very good at doing that in a live environment, but it requires feedback to do it. Uh, and I think. When, if I'm writing material that's for is the um, that direct feedback, I really kind of want them to be able to um, see or hear and be able to run to what I'm saying so I know that they get it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it oh. really does. And um, I think the feedback process... <laughs> Depends on where you want to use it, but the feedback process can make the product, the thing, the creation multiple times better than it could possibly be without that feedback. Um, I, I call it a minimum valuable asset. So you create something that's the minimum it can be, that's valuable for the reader, and that is an asset to you. So I think having that feedback and getting feedback loops going through the process and designing feedback into your process, into your creative system, I think is, I don't think you can do it without feedback and not create something that people really need and love. Yeah, yeah. Go tell us now, because like, so you created this 10-week course, you gave so much stuff and value away for free. Your friend identified that you'd already written the equivalent of a book. You went through the process of turning that into a book. How did you become a bestseller? What happened next? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this was all just a catalogue of accidents beginning to end. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so we packaged it all up and put it put it all together. Um, I, by that time, we the list was maybe five or six thousand strong, because um, it, it 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 doesn't sound like a huge list, but it was massively responsive. 
um, because I was constantly talking to them, and and it was a, a subject that's you know that they that seriously mattered to them. Um, so the short answer was it, it, it was actually quite simple, but it was really kind of an accident. I was very honest with them, and I didn't actually expect them any of them to buy it. But you know when we launched it. Uh, um, so for weeks beforehand, I said, look, uh, I, I was saying to him, look, um, we're launching the book on Amazon, um, but I don't want you to go and buy it until this one particular day. Um, but please note, it only has a few little bits extra than what you've already had. I mean, uh, I, I, I totally understand if you don't if you don't want to buy it. Um, but I would like, you know, I'd like a review. I'd like this. I'd like that. But all on on that one particular day. And if you do buy it, um, here's what I'm going to do because I've got all these this bonus stuff packaged up ready for you. Um, you know, so I, I think we uh, I built um, um, some audio and video stuff um, that just takes things that are in the book and expands them a bit further. And this is kind of kind of what I mean about the idea about giving stuff away. I don't. I don't mind, you know, I mean, uh, if I've got everything that's in the book, um, there's all sorts of stuff that you can add on to that, you know. Yeah. What, that could easily be another book or a, a, and something else, or it can be another giveaway for buying the book, you know, sign you up onto a different list. So that's kind of what we did. I, I had no idea how many people were actually going to go and buy the book all on that day. I, it just... I'm still surprised that that happened. Yeah, it was a phenomenal Um, success. And I think, I just want to reflect back to you, I think that it was so successful because of your integrity with the group. So you were honest with them, you told them uh, what you were doing, you told them what they were getting, you told them that the vast majority of the content they'd already read. And that honesty and integrity, you actually had created a group of people who were real, true fans and followers of you and that that loved they they devoured everything you said and and provided yeah uh, uh, yeah you're you're absolutely right uh, uh, do you know this uh this actually kind of gets me about uh, a lot of uh, a lot of marketers um i don't know whether how many of those those kind of instant creation products you you've seen um the ones that really get me are the ones that they uh, scrape public content off the internet and uh, automatically collect, collate them together, and then you can just throw it out as a yeah. as a book. I, um, without naming any names, I've uh, I've seen ones where uh, where I've been on a webinar where where in the space of an hour they've collated public domain content from all sorts of different places, uh, slapped it together in a book, and uploaded it, uploaded it onto Amazon. Yeah. Um, to, to my mind, the the problem with all of that is that the relationship you're creating with your customer is awful. Yeah. You know, I mean, you might make you know five bucks on a on a book that no one no one is ever going to write uh, read any of your stuff again, and they're on this constant trawl of of if you like scamming people more or less. That's that's how I'd uh, 
they might say it differently and see it differently, but but to my mind, that's that's actually what it is. There's no real value in it. And the, the um, difference between what you did is you created an audience, you created what they needed, and then every time you created anything new, your audience bought it up and wanted it. Whereas these scammers, scammers, are they every time they have to create a new audience because they've damaged the trust, they've damaged the relationship, and the hardest bit, in my opinion, is creating that following, is creating uh, the people who are interested in what you've got to say so if you damage that trust every single time you've got to start again from zero so i would prefer you i much prefer your route yeah yeah and to be honest i, I don't know i suppose it, again it's an identity thing I, I i don't think it's any effort at all really yeah i mean i mean it's stuff that i enjoy doing it's uh, there's a real there's a real boost in helping people you know i mean when people uh send you uh, some emails about how I've helped with this that, and the other, or they've got a new job or, you know, and this sort of stuff. It, it's, it makes me feel good. It's, it, it creates a drive and a motivation to actually do some, do more of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've, I, uh, I think, um, I was doing a, a fair bit of this in the, so I start off with a book. So, you know, five, $10, it's a low value thing. Uh, and go through de several different stages that lead up to to face-to-face -face courses that are hugely expensive, you know. Yeah. Um, now, the reality is that not, not everyone wants all of that and not everyone can afford all of that and so on and so forth. But if you've got that kind of funnel, um, people will, will progress up it because they, they see the value in what you're doing. And the reality is that the people at the, the high end, those high value clients, are just absolutely brilliant because they've been through everything else of yours and they're still with you because they, you know, and they're paying even more money to be with you because they see the value of you. I mean, that's, that, that's massive. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, the word you use there as well is if you, well, how many people think of it as a pipeline, a funnel, whatever it is, but if you add value at every stage, then that's that's the genius, you know, giving stuff away that was adding value. Then you turn that into a book that was adding value. It gave them a different way of reading it and you gave them the bonuses. Then they, you added value with the relationship, with your constant communication, regular extra information. You added value when you created courses specifically for them because you were listening to what they were saying and what their problems were. And I think that adding value every step in the process is what leads people to the top of funnels, not uh, brilliant sales pages necessarily, not uh, you know it's the value it's the value all the way through that process yeah absolutely building relationships I'm going to I'm going to change tack as I'm like that um, if you if you could go back and give yourself some um, feedback uh, what would you tell yourself from 10 or how long ago was this anyway it was about 15 years ago wasn't it I mean like when are we talking about I can't remember yeah, yeah it's giving away it, our it, ages <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, it's about 10, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so if you could give your 10 years ago self some advice, what would you have told him? Um, that's, that's an interesting one. I, I think probably what, what, I'd, what I'd want to tell myself is to actually uh, just get on and do it. I mean, there's... It, it's the doubts and the lack of belief that was a, that was uh, always the issue, um, and um, there's it, it's about having faith in yourself 
Okay, so here's the thing. All of that was created from from nothing. And what was what stopped it happening happening earlier was a belief that I couldn't do it. But the reality is when I started, I had no idea of what I was doing. It just happened. Now, um, since then, it's easier for me to do those things because I've already, I've now already done it and I know I can do it. Okay. Um, but there's so many things that I that I haven't done and I'm not um, that that I know that I can do even though I've never done them yeah you know so uh, and I uh, there's a lot of it that I don't know I don't know now how to do but I I have enough confidence to say that I find a way uh, uh, for me again now I'm starting to come a little bit more into my own about being about this identity statement about being uh, I am a creator um uh I used to. It's actually a fairly recent change in change in the way that I uh, in my identity and uh, my belief. Um, I used to. In, in fact, I still do see myself as a problem solver. You know, I'm great at finding solutions to things. The 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 good side of that is that. You can't, I mean, you can phase me, but you can't stop me. You know, if you give me a problem, I will worry my way around it or through it or over it or under it. I will find, I will find a way. Yeah. Um, but the downside of it is you have to have a problem to start with. So if you see everything as a problem. <laughs> yeah. Or if I don't have a problem, I don't do anything. Oh, you know? even worse. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, uh, that's the issue with the problem solver end of it. But what what I've come to see myself as um, is the flip side of that is that I'm a creator. I create stuff, which is that, you know, the if you like the forward looking part yeah. of that. Um, it's taken a while for me to get there. A lot of it has come from from writing. Um, in the um, right from writing that book, I, I, I became an author. But from then to um, uh, I've started going. Well, I I'm not just an author. I create stuff, whether it's systems or processes, whether it's uh, um, you know, like, like that process for creating 70 articles in a day uh, and, and that sort yeah. of stuff. It, um, I could have seen that as, a, well, actually at the time we did it, I did see it as a problem. It was an intellectual challenge to go, right, um, uh, do you remember that story? Uh, tell, us, whether, tell us about creating seven. No, tell us now because I think this is fascinating. Go for it. Okay, so um, uh, I was talking to Joe. Uh, and he was—he wanted some marketing articles um, to to market the book. Uh, uh, and I said, "Well, how many?" And he laughingly said, "Well, as many as you give us." And I said, "Well, well, is that fifty? Is it hundred thirty? Is it how many? How many?" And he just said seventy. Uh, and I said, well, no. so, so I turned around and, and went, "Okay, I'll have them with you for tomorrow." <laughs> Confident. Um, no, I was, <laughs> I, I was joking as well. I would go, right, yeah, was it was okay, right? So I um, finished the call and I went, well, I mean, I've said it now. I mean, uh, I mean, Joe knows I was messing about. I know I'm messing about. I wonder if you could. So I, I spent the rest of the day working out how, how I might do that. Um, and 
it was actually really straightforward when I'd actually started thinking about um, thinking about this from a process perspective. Okay, so what's marketing articles um, that highlight the book? Okay? So I so uh, for different markets. So I went right. Okay, well let me take a process that's in the book. Let me take a language pattern or or, or something that's in the book that I can apply to lots of different things. So I got that, that that's there. Now I went, right, okay, well, if I can apply it to lots and lots of things, then all I need are those 70 markets or those 70 people that it would apply to. And then all I need to do is fix at the front and the back, uh, the front end, that context. So that person reading that, that, that article will go, ah, this is how this will apply to me. And at the end part, put in a, well, now go off and do something about it, and this is what you could expect to get. So now I'm just topping and tailing that article with, with a thing in the middle. So now it is just a process. So actually most of that, uh, most of the day was, was nothing more than looking for 70 people that that process was appropriate to. I, I literally, it, it turns into a fill-in-the-blank scene. Um, so if you put all the articles side by side, you know that they're all the same. You know, but the rea the reality uh, of that though is any individual that 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 particular article is aimed at will see it as unique to them. You know, um, so there's two sides to that. At the time I was doing it, I, I was a problem solver and I was a a, a writer. Okay, but um, now I look at it and go, actually, look, I'm, I really am a creator because what I've done is I've created a process for doing a specific thing. And even more than that, I'm now going, right, okay, so how else could I use that process as a solution to other things? That's another level of creativity above that. Does that kind of make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And I love this idea of creating processes because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, so my whole life, I'm a very creative person, but my whole life thinks about systems and processes and how can I organise that and arrange that? And what are the inputs? What are the outputs? What happens in the middle? So I think in systems and processes, and I love the idea of um, topping and tailing an article that would then create uh, multiple articles because, as you said, each individual who has a problem and finds the article will find their unique version of the 70 articles but then the the cherry on your cake then is how do you use that process for other processes and it ties back to what you said earlier which is you can outsource or delegate if you put it into a process so now you yeah. can not only be um creative you can actually be uh, hugely creative and uh, create a lot of things quite quickly because you've created a process to manage that creation. So talk to me about that. So how have you how have you reused that that process that you came up with? Um, to be honest, it it, it winds up. Um, it, it depends on what level you you look at this at because uh, um, a lot of it is um, a lot of it is a conceptual thing. Okay, so I, I I'm going a fair way into 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 starting to write fiction. Uh, well, I, I haven't yet, but I but I'm going to. It, 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 it's already happened. So I've, I've actually started analysing a lot of authors um, now. Uh, I don't want to speak ill of him. I, I don't mean this as a, a, a but one of my most favourite authors is Terry Pratchett. Yep. 
Um, and he's, <laughs> I'm fairly sure he writes faster than I can read or wrote faster than I could read. At the yeah. time when he was coming out with a lot of the Discworld stuff, I was going like, I couldn't keep up with him, you know? Yeah, yeah, me um, too. <laughs> but the reality is it's all formula. Yeah. Now, um, uh, and I don't say that in a bad way because um, even the worst of his books are like the formula, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There is a distant, distant uh, uh, there's not a book that he's, there's not a disc that he's written that I haven't liked. There have been some that I like enormously, and there are some that I don't like as much. Okay? Even at his worst, worst, I like the formula. But at his best, they are utterly, utterly brilliant, even though it's a formula. So my point here is that he's actually done exactly the same thing as I'm doing with an article. He's topped and told it for a specific type of person with a specific kind of reader interest. Um, so, you know, hey-ho, uh, all the Sergeant Vimes stuff and, and Guards Guards and, and the Watchmen and all of that, I, I, I'm an ex-copper. I love it, you know, yeah. and that's why I love it. You know, it's, it's, just, it's as straightforward as that. Um, uh, the Mort and the whole death stuff, that really, really speaks to me. I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of Granny Weatherwax and the witches and stuff. You know, I, I still like them and I've, I still have enjoyed reading them, but they're not, they're not my books, whereas Guards, Guards is and, and Mort is. But, but you, you know, um, but actually when you deconstruct the whole thing, they're, they're, <laughs> it's a formula. You know, yeah. he's just top and tailed it. Uh, top and tailed it. So I'm starting to see, um, and there's a couple of other uh, uh, authors that I'm starting to analyse in that kind of way. Um, then they're nowhere, nowhere near as famous as, as Terry Pratchett, but they do a very similar kind kind of thing. Um, whereas Terry Pratchett created a world and then he, he populated it with those characters and created the stories out of that, uh, there are others that create series of books that are all about the same group of people, if you like. Yep. Um, uh, there's a guy called Steve Higgs who, who again, is right faster than I can read. Um, and he's, uh, there's one series of characters he's created that are they just remind me of Scooby-Doo. You know, it's the Scooby gang in a different context. And again, um, I, I, I love them because they just remind me of Scooby-Doo, you know? Yeah. Um, so where are you leading with this now? So where are you going with this idea of writing fiction? Because uh, what, what are you planning on doing? Well, um, <laughs> I, I want to create a whole bunch of uh, fiction, um, I've got a couple of series um, books in my head. Um, again, I, actually, I, I don't know how famous he, he is for people these days, but um, Jim Butcher and Harry Dresden. Uh, no? Uh, um, oh, okay. I'm not sure, but... Uh, uh, he created a... Uh, it, it's all urban fiction. It's about um, a wizard private eye in Chicago. He's actually quite quite big and I think we're on I think he's just about to release book 17 wow uh, and um, it charts the guy's history from and from where he starts as a private investigator uh, and he's a magician as well but a very um, 
underpowered magician. All the way through now, we're into book 17, where he's uh, um, he's now an, a knight of the fairy court. He's been dead twice. Um, and, you know, he, he's, he's an exceptionally powerful being in his own world. And it takes... It, you're kind of part of his life, you know, uh, um, so you can uh, see his growth and it, the arc of the character growing and at literally it, taking on more skills and more abilities, yeah. yeah. There's a whole change in development in, in him, but each, book's, you, each book you can read independently. Um, you know, they, they, they don't have to be... You don't have to read them in order. You don't have to read them uh, as, a, as a series. And I really, really like that, that idea. Um, so I've got... Uh, the idea of uh, a couple of characters um, in various settings and actually looking at them right the way through the whole period of their life. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've already got that, and I I haven't got the formula yet because I uh, I think I need to write the book to have that formula properly set down. Um, so I've I've got those in my head. Uh, well, sorry, I've got two of those in my head in two different kind of contexts. Um, if I come back to to um, the uh, non-fiction world, um, the thing that's happened, the thing that's that, that happened to me with that first book is it gave me the the model or the formula for writing others uh, for other books. So I've got a few more to write, um, uh, and they all will follow will follow the model of the book i'd like it to actually follow what what happened with that book in the you know the feedback loops and the and yeah. people being involved and, and and modifying the content as we go based on the feedback from it and stuff um so uh it, it works in fiction and, and non-fiction and here's me confidently saying that without ever having written uh, uh, a fiction novel. Um, because you, you're able to now extrapolate from having experience once, you're now, you're now able to extrapolate the formula and then to, to almost predict uh, the outcome and the success because you've, if you do the same steps, you can almost predict... Yeah. I love that idea. Uh, that's that's the best thing. That's the beauty of processes and systems that, you know, stick stuff in go through the process, the right things pop out at the end. So, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's, uh, uh, I mean, we could, it, for me, it, it goes in two directions. There's one about the granular detail of it. And so we could actually just create the next book, do it replicating exactly the process we used last time, and it would work. I, yeah. I have no doubt about that. Um, uh, and that's fine. That that that, if you like, is 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 um, partly my old problem solver kind of mentality towards this. Is a is a like it's just a thing to overcome. And we can do that. And there's a conceptual element to it, which is which is where, where the way I think now in in terms of creation is how else can I apply that to something else? Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean taking the granular detail of it, but conceptually, I'm doing exactly the same thing. You know. Yeah. It's, it's chunk above. Yeah. Um, and, and that, I, I don't necessarily know that it would work in exactly the same way as it did the first time. But what I do know is that it will work on some level or, or other. And I'm creative enough to tweak it once it has to make it work the way that it should in that market or that context or, or, or whatever. 
Yeah, you know, that's... Um, yeah, so it's an iterative approach as well because you're actually, as you're, you're building the machine, the, <laughs> as, you're, as you're going through the process for the next time and the next time and the next time, you're, you're building the machine even better each time. And I think yeah. some processes as well do have a decay element to them. So they might have worked perfectly once. Now, maybe an element doesn't work so well. So what, how do you update that element? Or uh, yeah. So it's all it's that constant iteration and, and um, seeing what's happening and, uh, and responding to the signals that you see. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, um, well, it's an interesting, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting point because uh, I, I come from an engineering background as well. So, um, and that's obviously where some of this, you know, a lot of this is coming from. Um, one of the things that uh, I noticed that changed in me from being at university and studying this sort of stuff to being out in the real world and actually doing stuff with it is that in university my idea was like the processes and systems and, and that were kind of like frozen in place they were static things once you created them they, that, that was it whereas as soon as you're out in industry you know actually this is a live thing you know it's constantly evolving and changing and growing and responding to it to its to its environment and that's uh, as an engineer that's you need to be part part of that you can't just uh, make it and expect it to to continue that way for, for forever, forever yeah. because the rest of the world the rest of the world changes yeah you know? yeah yeah I love it. Okay, I'm going to start uh, closing us down a little bit, I'm afraid. Uh, though, sure. though I'm probably going to invite you back and we'll talk about some other things in the future. Um, okay. Okay, so my favourite question in the world at the moment, and I keep asking everybody this, I'm driving people mad, but I'm going to ask you anyway. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Um, I've got lots of different answers to that, but let me give you the most simple for the minute. Okay, uh, I'm a massive role player. I love playing role playing games, you know, D and D and all that sort of stuff. Um, so uh, I have been anti doing this stuff online. Ah. Uh, being face to face, and we've had, uh, you know, so uh, I have several role, role playing groups in Glasgow, and we, we used to meet on a regular basis, and then COVID nineteen came down. And um, so that's cut all of that out. Yeah. So um, we've gone all online running running games. Um, I didn't like the idea, uh, but it was either that or not. Um, and I'm finding actually I quite enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I. I think I'm always going to have. I, I, I think I prefer playing face-to-face, but uh, I, I play these games really for a social element, and there's um, a lot of before and after and, you know, uh, stuff that, and cross-talk across tables and, and everything that, that, that you, you're not going to get online. But um, what I'm finding online is, like, it's easier to set up games, it's easier to appear. Um, there's... Uh, so one particular group that, that we play regularly, we used to play regularly um, in the physical world. I don't think we're going to go back to that, um, or at least not for a long time, because a couple of people, are, a couple of people in the group are vulnerable, so they're going to be shielding for a lot longer than the rest of us. Uh, and another member of the group um, has just had uh, uh, their first daughter. You know, um, now 
Um, and they can still play, you know, you know um, whereas physically going somewhere to play the game yeah. would be, it would be um, and of course, if you've got if you've got a young child in child in the house, having you know four or five other people turn up and making lots of noise, um, just at put, just at the point where they're putting the you know putting the, putting the baby to bed, it's probably not the best thing. Whereas you know online it works fine. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, but in terms of actually playing um, both as a games master and as a and as a role player, it takes a certain um, there's certain etiquette. There's a different way of playing because you need to give people space uh, and time and not over-talk each other the way that you might. And, mm. uh, there's that sort of stuff. But for me, particularly as a GM storyteller, uh, I'm taking all... One of the reasons why I'm actually pretty good at being a GM is because I'm a hypnotist, because I am a storyteller, because I, yeah. because I use language in particular ways around the table. I'm relearning all of that stuff for an online game, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, And I think it's interesting that um, the pandemic kind of forced you into doing something that you you weren't keen on doing in the first place. Yeah. uh, uh, And again, I haven't done this yet, but um, it's opened up a whole, I'll set a new doors. You see, like, I've got a a few people that um, that I used to play with, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that moved away from Glasgow. I dearly love, um, and I, we've not played for a long, long time because they're not here anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, it, so I'm just going, well, why don't we play online? We can connect each other, you know, one of them's now in America, and, um, there's a couple actually in in, uh, in Norfolk now. So, um, and why not? We, it, it, there's no reason not to. And, I've, you know, it, it just occurred to me, um, well, a few weeks ago, that the only thing that was stopping that happening was the fact that I was going, I don't think I like playing online. I never tried it. It's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, uh, if you're after the last thing I really did knew, it's that. Yeah. Um, uh, But then there's, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm kind of doing new. (laughs) Um, Mainly centred around sort of like my parents and uh, of the last few years. Yeah. um, what are you going to be working on next? Talk to us about what's happening for you next. Um, what's your What's your next big creation that we can look out for? Okay, this should, this should um, because of all the stuff that's happened to me over the last five years that centres around my parents. Um, I, I was using a lot of that and writing it all up on on Facebook okay. to um, to entertain me hugely. I mean, I've enjoyed. <laughs> following you you're perhaps the only person on facebook who i actively look for every single morning. sorry family and friends but rintu is the person i look for first every morning is tell me another installment in the crazy life of rintu <laughs> yeah. um so lots of people have been asking me to write uh, write that up um um and so i i have been i uh, i mean for the last couple of months i've been working quite hard at putting all the all the facebook posts together collating them um and found i haven't quite got enough and then some, when i start thinking about this this is quite a i went through quite a thought process about it i decided that i um it's it's five years worth of interesting stuff there's quite a lot of memoirs and uh, and ups and downs and it's been quite funny and all that sort of stuff so i wanted to write it 
from the perspective of Facebook posts. So it is just my life from uh, on Facebook. I'm taking out all the political stuff and all the sweary bits and all that, but, but you know, make it focusing it down a little bit more. Um, but then, I've, uh, so I've been reading a lot of stuff about how uh, about writing memoirs and, and how you do all that, and those sorts of things. Um, and one of the biggest things that, uh, the, the, that I've caught from it all is that um, the best memoirs are actually proper stories. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and that took me to this place where I go, like, actually, this is a real challenge. Um, I've got to write more material because there's actually not enough Facebook posts to do it. And there's bits... Um, because I was writing it up on social media, there's things that you don't put on social media. There's stuff. Uh, and because you only see one thing every few days, it doesn't actually tell a connected story. Yeah. So I need to put some more to, to connect all the dots and make sure that the reader actually sees what they see. Um, but the uh, the thing that I suddenly worked, uh, it popped into my head a, a, a few weeks ago, was like, if I'm doing all of that and I need to make it into a proper story, then maybe I need to use um, story templates and plotting, proper plotting and, and the hero's journey. And it's kind of like a reverse, uh, a, a reverse issue from a normal author in the, Normally, an author would go and plot stuff to, to, to make it work. Now, what I've got is I've actually got all the content. Yeah. I, I, I need to work out how to present that so that it's still real, but turn it into a, a plot that, that, that does what a plot does. Yeah. Or has a current, uh, oh, and well, uh, it was – and I, this, is, this should have been my answer to what I've been doing differently – Okay, so what I what I what I've actually had to do is is separate myself from myself and go the character of me in this story. What's their theme? What they developed? What was the challenge they overcame? Uh, you know, and I've, I've actually had to look at myself as a character within this story and ask kind of the the questions that you would ask about a character. Your motivation and where's your arc and where are you on the journey right now? Oh my gosh, that's really cool. <laughs> How's he changed as a result of what he's yeah. gone through? Um, it's a, and so there's part of me that, that, that wants to also write this up. Uh, and again, this is the creation end of it. I want to write this up as a personal development process because, I, I, you know, I, um, I'm not sure that I've, I've changed. I have. I've changed my perspective of me by doing that. You know, yeah. I, I, I am I am different through looking at myself in that kind of way, and I think I, I kind of, one of the things I'm struggling with is with this as a book is like it's a different audience. It's not my normal NLP personal development thing, and how do I draw them in as well? And I'm thinking one of the bonuses for this is it's actually going to be you know for, if you're interested in personal development and um, NLP and all those sorts of things, so log on here and you get uh, and I will give you the things that have actually happened to me as a, uh, as a result of using the processes that aren't, you know, properly written up in the, in the book. Um, so you're adding yeah. like layers and layers and layers of extra, so there'll be the story layer and then you can have the NLP layer so you can deconstruct the, oh, fantastic. So that's value at different, at, like in a matrix of value. Yeah, um, and it, it applies to, if you like, different audiences now. So, so I mean, there's people that are just going to buy this for the story. Yeah. Uh, there are people that may well buy it because of the NLP behind the story. 
um, and yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, it is on my, uh, on different. Level. I mean, I, I always had planned to put some of the NLP stuff in there. You know, I mean, I did a, um, uh, I did a lot of pain relief and hypnosis kind of work with my mum. Um, I actually tried a lot of that with my dad, but spectacularly. Anyway. <laughs> well, your dad is a oh my gosh yeah your dad <laughs> but, um, so I, I was planning to put some of that in there but 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 quite light touch because i don't you know I, I i don't want to burden a reader that's going for the story just uh, yes. with the technical end of this um and it only occurred to me uh a couple of weeks ago when i was when i was thinking about the change that's happened to me as a result of um, thinking myself as a character in that story yeah. um, that that's actually a whole level and volume of material that's that's, that's worth writing up that way I think um, you're absolutely right the, the, the personal development side of writing a memoir even if nobody ever reads it I had a midlife crisis about six years ago and just threw my life into the air and got divorced I mean like everything changed and writing it down as it was going along even though it was only for me actually helped me understand myself better and uh, I could see myself on the journey and knowing the hero's journey and knowing the arc of the hero's, hero's journey, it gave me hope that I knew that, that soon um, I would come out of the other end, I would be a different person, that I didn't have to panic right now, that I didn't have to worry right now, that I'm, it was just a journey and it took all the pain out. But that was through the writing process and that that internal uh thinking it through rather than panicking it through yeah yeah um uh, it, it, yes I, I, I love that i mean that's that's actually a lot of what i've done what, what i've done over the years um literally on facebook um there was there's part of it i'll tell you what it, again it's an it's about solutions to to issues um when my mum was diagnosed with cancer um, one of the things that I wanted to do was keep everyone updated as to where we were with it. From you know, I've got a lot of um, very well-meaning but nosy family that want to know the internet yeah. or everything. They, uh, um, very early on, I was getting really fed up writing the same thing to them again and again and again. You know, um, so I, I said to them, "I'm going to put it all on Facebook." I put it all. I, I mean, obviously, I had my mum's permission to do that. Uh, I said I was going to put it all on Facebook so that you can just go and look. You know, you don't yeah. have to keep keep coming to me. And then the first thing that occurred to me with that was, well, actually, if I just write out what's happening, it's real dull reading and it's quite emotive and it's it's not it's not pleasant reading. And I don't. I, I'm not sure that I even want to share that. You know. Mm. So I got into that thing of going well how do I make this interesting how do I make it funny how do I how do I change this so that uh, engage people in it rather than just you know um we went to the doctor and he gave us bad news which is effectively yeah. what a lot of it was um and so that's kind of what uh, again a flip side but at the time that I started doing it, I didn't realize that this would happen but by the fact that I'd force myself into a position where I'm trying to make this interesting or engaging or funny or, or and, and all of that, it forced me into looking at everything from a completely different perspective. And it really, really saved me. I mean, that's where a lot of my resilience has come from. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand. And I, I think you probably saved your family as well. And you certainly entertained your friends. I, mean, I You know, uh, your, your stories, you, you have a, a wonderful way of looking at the world and bringing out the uniqueness in every single person in every single event. Uh, in, you know, I am fascinated by your writing style and fascinated by your life. Uh, you know, I, I love how you, you're able to do that. And um, what I'd like to do now, though, is I'd like us to, to follow to close down. But in the next episode, because I think we should do another one in a couple of weeks time, I want to talk more about the hero's journey. And I want to talk more about um, because lots of people are interested in that and using it for arcs. And I'm using it with some people to write their nonfiction books using the hero's journey. So mm -hmm. I would love to talk for us to have a conversation about hero's journey and, and, and where we both you know these these cycles of the hero's journey so let's save that for the next time but for right now how can people get in touch with you how can they follow you on facebook how can they buy the uh, buy your book what do you, how do you want them to contact you um okay uh buying the book's easy just got to promise and buy it. Uh, um i think i've given you a, a link of my i'll put the link in the in the comments yep um so uh that's the easiest way to get hold of anything yep. like that uh, on Facebook, um, all you just need to do is um, uh, search for me on Facebook, actually. Um, I'm on, uh, so there's, I, I've got Facebook pages for the Persuasion Skills Black Book, um, for uh, Rintu Basu, um, uh, and there was a third one, but those, those two are probably the primary ones that I use. Um, I, am on, I am on Twitter. The handles persuasion skills. Um, the uh, but I'm not on Twitter at the moment. I haven't. Uh, the accounts are still active, but I I don't I don't tweet. I haven't for I haven't for five years almost because it, uh, I had to focus on one in one place, and the one that I chose was Facebook. So, uh, but I will be going back in the next. Uh, in the next few months, so okay. um, if I'm find them there, uh, eventually the website will come back. But if you if you if you find me on Facebook, I'll tell you when the website's back up. Brilliant. Okay. So Rintu, thank you so much for your time, and let's definitely put a date in for talking about the hero's journey. Thank you.